Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nelson, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Both on and off the field, here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome Welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia podcast, first one of the week. It is great to be with you on a uh, day 10, earlier today, uh, edition of Texans Training Camp as we are just a few days away from the Texans' preseason opener. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on today's episode. I'm Sean Pendergast, joined by, as always, the Hall of Famer, my good friend, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. And, uh, John, it's great to see you and talk to you, as always. And we are going to get uh, – we're, we're on a game week now, John. we got New England coming up on Thursday. And it was revealed by uh, D'Amico Ryans earlier today that uh, C.J. Stroud indeed will get the first reps of this preseason against the New England Patriots. Um, What are your thoughts on C.J. Stroud getting the start in the preseason and his first action as an NFL football player? When he was splitting reps with Davis Mills, I thought they might start Mills at New England and then move Stroud in the second game against Miami. But what they wanted Stroud to do was separate himself in practice, and he did that last week. He looked really good when he was taking every snap with the starters, did it again in their, their uh, Saturday night practice. So he has definitely separated himself. He's starting. I doubt we're going to see – we're not going to see Titus Howard right tackle, but I doubt we're going to see right guard Shaq Mason, left tackle Laramie Tonso. But Stride needs to work with his rookie center. Drew uh, Scruggs, who was promoted last week when Scott Quisenberry was lost for the season. So – very interesting things about Stroud 
and is lying. D'Amico Ryans, John, has been kind of coy about Stroud and is he the starter or is he, you know, is it a competition? He's still getting hit with those questions and he still is kind of deferring to this thing being a, a competition of some sort. Like he, he still won't say CJ Stroud is the number one quarterback. He just kind of in an interview with the folks from the NFL network kind of said he'll get the first reps against New England and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, what do you think it is that about Stroud that does seem to have separated him from Davis Mills over these last few days? Because I think Mills has had his moments where he's looked pretty good too in camp so far. Yeah, it's not like Mills was bad. It's because Stroud was good. It's like a light went off for him after the offseason program, including the mandatory minicamp, all those OTAs with minicamp, and then in the second week of training camp, he started to figure it out. He still makes bad throws, and he's going to make some bad plays because he's a rookie. But last week, watching him throw the ball, looked like he was making the right decisions. Ryan's is always talking about he wants him to take command of the huddle. Obviously, he's done that too. They see him in ways we don't, and they're satisfied to name him the starter for this game. It's like Nick Casario told you and Seth Payne. They're, they're never going to come out and say, okay, he's the starter. That's just not the way they operate. But it'll be apparent, obviously, apparent to everybody because he's a starter. We've known he's going to be a starter since he was drafted, but we'll know it when the depth chart comes out and he's number one. But he'll start these preseason games because he needs the playing time. Yo, how much do you think he plays, John, in the in the preseason, uh, CJ? Boy, with the joint practices coming up with Miami, I'm guessing he might play a series or two depending on what he does. If he goes three and out, I think we'll see him again. If he takes him to a scoring drive, whether it's field goal or touchdown, I think he's come out. It's almost like veteran probably wouldn't play, but he will. And I, they want him to look really good, saying go and pull him. Wouldn't serve any purpose for him to play with any more backups than he already will be. John, what do you think about Davis? Like, my guess is that Davis will probably play half the game against New England. Like, I, I could envision a scenario where if we're dividing it up by quarters, like CJ plays the first quarter, Davis plays the middle two, and maybe Case Keenum is the the mop up guy in the in the fourth quarter. Do you do you think that part of Davis Mills being out there is to showcase him a little bit, or do you think Davis Mills is truly going to be the backup to CJ when the season begins? I think when the season begins, he'll be a backup as far as being traded. I think that'll take care of itself because no quarterbacks are going to get they're going to get uh, injured, and then everybody's got a backup that's been going through their system. With I think there's a chance at some point before the trading deadline he could be traded if somebody gives them a mid round pick. They're not going to get more, and in Case Keenum is a proven backup who started a lot in the NFL, including for the Texans. So I can't imagine he's going to be the, the emergency quarterback every game, but. So when they play Mills, you need to play well. But uh, I think in this first game that uh, he'll, if he does play that much, uh, I don't think it'll be showcasing because he'll be playing with so many scrubs, but they do want him to play well. I think if you want to show him on tape, teams will go back and watch him. Probably should watch him as a rookie when he played a lot better than he did last year when their offensive coaching and the offense were terrible. Are you concerned at all, John? You just mentioned this. Um, that we know we'll talk about Titus Howard in a second, but this first preseason game, it would be it would be a surprise if CJ's playing with first uh, a, a full first team offensive line in front of him. You know, Laramie Tunsil, 
Shaq Mason would seem to be guys that would get the night off, I would imagine. I don't know. With only three preseason games and with a new head coach, I don't know what Tomiko's philosophy is going to be on all this. Um, are you concerned at all about CJ playing against backups with a backup or I'm sorry, playing with backups on Thursday, uh, especially given how the backups on this offensive line have not looked good at all so far in training camp? I think he'll be playing against a lot of backups too. I don't see Bill Belichick playing a lot of his starters. Uh, I think the Browns the other night had like 28 players who weren't suited up. And um, I don't remember how Belichick's done it in the past, but um, I think this Titus Howard wasn't going to play anyway. Now he's out with an injury and, and Stroud has played a lot of snaps with the backups while he was rotating with males. So it's not like he's unfamiliar. The, the, and we can just stick with this as a topic, the depth along the offensive line. You just mentioned it. Titus Howard now out with a hand injury of some sort. Supposedly he's in a cast. D'Amico Ryan said today at his press conference following practice, that Titus Howard would be out for quote a little for a while. Um, this, I will tell you this, John, at practice on Saturday, when the O-line and the D-line were working out down at the far end of the field where everybody who was there to watch, would, you know, that was the end of the field we couldn't really see very well. But O-line and D-line are working against each other down away from us. Right in front of us is where all the skill guys were going against each other, you know, on the offensive side and the linebackers and, and secondary on the defensive side. Player goes down up for the offensive line, way down at the other end of the field. We couldn't see who it was for a while, for a good five minutes or so, we didn't know who was down. And I will just tell you the pit in my stomach that I got, that it could be one of the starters on the offensive line, I think is kind of an indicator as to just how little depth there is on the offensive line. I I think there's, I think as far as position groups go, there's probably no bigger drop off on the Texans from the starting unit to the backups and I'll even include quarterback there. Like I think there's a smaller drop off from CJ Stroud to Davis Mills than there is from across the offensive line, O line one to whoever the backups are on the O line. This is not a position group, John, that is very deep at all for the Texans right now. Probably. Well, first of all, I'm guessing Titus Howard has a broken hand, and he's probably had surgery. And uh, but that's good. You don't want it to be his knee. You don't want it to be one of his wheels because he can play with a club when he's able to come back and he doesn't need to play in preseason. And um, you don't want him to be out during regular season, of course, but Charlie Heck, their third tackle, he's out. He's on physically unable to perform. He had a knee, he had knee surgery, but watching him out there, he's not wearing a brace. He's not wearing anything. He just walks around and uh, he is definitely their third tackle. So they don't, they, they're looking at a fourth tackle. Austin Daculus, a rookie last year, has been running second team at right tackle, so I'm assuming he's going to start. And the center, Juice Scruggs, who was back up to Quisenberry, he's, now he's the starter since Quisenberry's out. I'm guessing he will definitely start. and get, He needs a lot of playing time. Kenyon Green, their left guard, 15th pick last year, he's coming off injuries and he's looked good, so they need him to play some, but we're going to see a lot of those backups, and hey, that's up to Davis Mills and Case Keenum to deal with those guys. Well, and George Fant was getting a lot of run with the first team today, too. He's number 77, who they just signed a week ago. He's a veteran, and they signed two tackles. The other one got hurt. I don't even know his name. Scaife. 
So he was, well, think- that's who, when I was saying, you know, that's, that's who ended up getting hurt in that incident that I was talking about at practice. Yeah. Fortunately, I say, fortunately, it wasn't one of the guys who start <laughs> like it's, if, if DJ <laughs> Scape's family listens to this podcast, they're shaking their fist at their, at their phone right now. Like, Hey, that's my son. Um, but yeah, like it, that's always a dicey thing about football, John. Like, phew, at least it's not that guy as they peel the guy off the ground and take him out on a stretcher. Um, so, yeah, it, but uh, not not great depth on the O-line right now. No, and they, but they got a long time to go before the regular season, and hopefully Titus will be able to come back and play with a club on his hand and because uh, he's better than everything else they got one-handed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's an issue. I'm guessing that Casario will keep running those guys in and out like he does. At most positions. Yeah. Um, anybody in particular, John, on either side of the ball you're excited about watching in on Thursday against New England, other than other than the obvious one, Stroud on offense, Will Anderson on defense. Are there any other guys, maybe young guys, who you're most looking oh, forward yeah. to? Oh, yeah. Okay, give it to me. Yeah, I'm writing a column about on Tuesday, their most exciting rookie, their best receiver so far, Tank Dale. 5'8", 165, third-round pick, University of Houston. Tank has been outstanding. Can't wait to see him on the field. He'll play with the backups. Also, I want to see him as a punt returner. They're using a lot of punt returners. I guess he's got to prove to them he can catch the ball. He catches it sometimes where it hits his pads or hits his right shoulder, and they want him catching it in his hands. He'll get a chance to do that. Mark Dominic, former Buccaneers general manager, was at practice on Monday with uh, – NFL Network and uh, Sirius Radio, NFL Radio. And I was talking to him. He was looking at Tank, and he said, he's got, for a guy his size, 5'8", 165, he's got the quick twitch you want, and he's got the kind of butt you want in a guy that size. In other words, his butt's a good size for a guy that weighs only 165. And uh, so Mark was really impressed watching his quickness and everything. He made a great catch on the sideline. Can't wait to see him and Xavier Hutchinson looking for a backup tight end to Dalton Schultz to step up since they've had injury issues there and defense. Can't wait to see defensive linemen come in. he got a lot of veterans. are going to play a lot of rookies and second-year guys and don't know how much we're going to see the DBs. Henry Toa want to see him a lot at linebacker. They played him inside. They played him outside. And uh, so – those are the ones I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, rookie class looks good. John, I saw you over there talking to Mark Dominic, and as I looked over there, uh, you were on the far side of the field from where I was, and I said, boy, I wonder what those two were talking about. And I'll admit, I had a short list of things I thought you might be talking about. Tank Dell's butt did not make my list. But apparently, <laughs> that's what you were talking about over there was Tank Dell's butt, huh? That, that and all our good old days at uh, Tampa Bay when I – Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports 
Center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I was covering the NFL, Tony Dernsey turned around that franchise, and it was the hottest story in the NFL. I covered a lot of games and practices and did features and met all their people at that time, including Mark Dominic, who worked his way up to being a general manager. John, was that um, where, where do you stack rank that part of your career among other little eras within the you know five decades that you've been covering the league? The era where there was no football team in Houston, so you basically just got to spin the wheel every week and pick a place to go. Went anywhere I wanted, wrote anything I wanted to write, as much as I wanted to write, spent any amount of money I wanted to spend, and I did it for eight years. I didn't cover the Texans the first three years because I knew they were going to be bad. And then they asked me to do it one year and I could go back to the NFL. And then the bottom dropped out of the media business. And so I stayed on the Texans. Were you ever worried, John, um, when the Oilers announced they were leaving that you'd have to go somewhere else to do your, no, to do your thing? Uh-uh. We covered the heck out of the NFL. We had two open pages every Monday on NFL. And I would send those paper sports sections to the NFL. I'd send it to Paul Tagliabue, Jill Brown, Greg Aiello and some PR guys said the Oilers may be gone, but the NFL is still alive and kicking at the Houston Chronicle. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, Kaylee Boo told me one time, he said, man, you don't need to keep sending me those. I uh, said, well, thank you for looking at them. Were you sending them so you could let them know like, Hey, when another uh, expansion team rolls around? Them, no, we didn't all of a sudden quit writing about the NFL because it was such a football city. And I wanted them to know what the Chronicle was doing. Did you go to training camps those years where there oh, were no yeah. orders? Which no, did you go to? Did you go to? I a bunch went of everywhere. Orders? Okay. Everywhere. Truthfully, yeah. When I was covering the NFL, I went to the cities I like to go to. Thank goodness, the Patriots got good. The Buccaneers got good. I love Green Bay, but I wouldn't want to have to go up there. Thank God, the Lions didn't get good, <laughs> or Philadelphia. So it worked out really well for travel and in training camp. If I could go up north where it might be a little cooler, that's, I took advantage of that. That's what I, that's my question. You know that's where I was going with I, that. Yeah. I did six, ten mornings, and I was in uh, Rochester. And Greg Williams, former oiler coach, was head coach there. So I went up, spent a day with him, spent a night. And I called in six ten on John Granado and uh, and uh, Lance Zarline. Mm. I don't know whatever happened to John Granado. Yeah, whatever like happened six, to those guys. Yeah. I know Lance went to the NFL. Right, uh, network and NFL.com, but Granado just dropped off the face of the earth. And I called him and I said, Guys, I need a sweater. I said, Will y'all send me a sweater? And basically, it was two words, and the second one ended with you. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I, I from what I from what I remember about John Granado, yes, he uh, he uh, he he was not afraid to use the potty mouth. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know what ever happened to him. He's a good guy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, so uh. So let's uh, shift gears. We're going to do some for real or fugazi in a minute, John, as we always do on every first episode of the week. 
Um, but we are coming off a weekend where the Astros split with the Yankees. John, I gotta say, I gotta tell you, between the AT&T Southwest broadcast on Saturday, which was one of the worst technical broadcasts, I maybe the worst I've ever watched. And then the 12 walks from the Astros on Sunday. I had zero fun watching baseball this week. I was so excited to watch Verlander on Saturday and then watch just Astros-Yankees on Sunday closing out that series. And I had anxiety by the end of the weekend watching these two games. Not to mention the fact that they got a split, which I was hoping for three out of four against these bums. And the sound was off on Sunday. It was a little off where they swing and then – he swung late, or he swung and he hadn't swung. It just, it was terrible. It's the only thing worse than the Astros uh, was the AT&T uh, telecast of it. But um, the good thing that I'm thinking right now, John Singleton, 32 years old, got a 10-year, $10 million contract when he was in the minors then bombed out, has tearing up the AAA with the Space Cowboys. They sent Corey Jokes down. He's having a terrible slump. He should have been back in Sugarland. They got a spot open. Dana Brown, the owner, uh, said last week on his weekly radio show he'd like to see him up, get a few pinch head appearances, get a few at bats. And considering Jose Abreu is two for 18 with one RBI, he has been terrible again. It's indefensible. People can't defend it. Give Singleton a chance. So you think that's what's happening? Because you and I are are minutes removed from them sending Corey Jolks down to the minors, and they've said that there's going to be a corresponding move. You think that's what it's going to be? Since Dana Brown said last week he'd like to see him come up, he says Dusty's decision. But if Dusty keeps trotting out Jose Abreu, who's swinging at bad pitches, he's got to be gone after this season. $68 million mistake. And let's see if Singleton (laughs) – and pitching, hitting the big leagues, he couldn't before. And if he can't, give him a chance to ship him back to AAA. Where, who's taking Jose Abreu off your hand? He's got two years left on his deal. Who's taking Jose Abreu? Nobody. Just cut him. Just cut then him? Find another first baseman. Why would you have him on the roster? Eat the $40 million. I don't know, John. You know how it is with these teams sometimes. They throw bad money after good, or in this case, bad at-bats after good. You know, 37. He'll be 37 next year. And watching him continue to swing at bad pitches at a time when he's supposed to have torn up August throughout his whole career, it's just the opposite. He has been terrible with he's, a capital T. Yeah, you know, he's he's been awful. That that would be a lot of fun if Singleton came up and did some things. That would be it'd be a hell of a story, John. I mean, he wouldn't was, it? That contract that he signed was back in like 2012 or so. It's like a, it's like a decade ago. He signed. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it was like five years, ten million bucks, and they bought out like all of his minimum salary and arbitration years, and they gave him ten million guaranteed. And John Singleton liked his weed, and that was kind of an issue with John Singleton. Isn't it amazing when you think about how bad Abreu's been? Jeremy Pena's been bad. He's been a terrible slob. Makes errors. I think it was Saturday, ball hit right to him. It bounced off his glove, and they gave him a hit in New York. And uh, he just hadn't been the same. They moved him up and down the order. But with those two guys not producing, plus the injuries, it's amazing they're as close as they are to the Rangers. But the Rangers have two huge injuries right now. The only thing is Astros are going to Baltimore. 
Rangers going to Oakland. Yeah, the Rangers actually have a chance here to put a little distance in this thing right now if the Astros don't take care of their business. I will say this. The three pitchers, the oil, the Oilers, the Orioles are throwing out there against the Astros all have ERAs that are at least four and a half. One of them is a six ERA guy. They were showing the pitching matchups coming up for the series. And for the Astros, it's Fromber. I think it's Fromber, Javier, and Hunter Brown. You know, like three guys. I know Javier's not been great this year, but whatever. Uh, and I'm like, okay, well, that's a, you know, that's, let's roll with those three. Let's see, you know, the Orioles have been the best team in the American League. And you look at the three pitchers for the Orioles, and it's guys with sky-high ERAs. They, they may do – who knows? Maybe the Astros do a little damage in Baltimore. We'll see. It, what's the guy's name, the Orioles, dominates, dominated the Astros? Bradish? Is that his name? There's one yeah. guy there that has just killed them. Yeah. And their relief pitchers, Bautista, is that his name? Yeah. Throwing 102, 30 saves, 0.85 ERA. Wow. I'll say one more thing. JP France, it should be their third pitcher. If they, you know, put Javier for long relief. Okay, hold France, on. You, John, you're, you're, you're pilfering for for real or Fugazi. All right. Stay, okay, just stay. Keep, Never mind. Put, your, put the locks on the hot takes there, John, for a second. Close the oven on the hot takes, and we'll get to that. I promise. Like you're reading, like you're reading my format. Um, all right. So, so there you go. We got uh, Shroud starting against New England. Titus Howard, hand issue, going to be out for a while. And we hope that the Astros, who right now, if the season ended today, they'd be the five seed playing the Rays in Tampa in a wild card series. So um, the Rays that just took two out of three from the Astros at Minute Maid about a week or two ago. You want right. to be the wild card that plays six. the central champion. Yeah, yeah. You got to. You want to be the sixth seed. Card. Yep. You want to be the sixth seed. Um, all right, John, you ready for some for real or fugazi? I sure am. Okay. This is how we do it, people. If you listen to the pod, you know this already. But if you don't, um, I read a sentence. I've got a handful of them in front of me. I read it as if it is fact. If John agrees with me that it is indeed fact or he shares this opinion, then he says for real. If he does not share this opinion, if he thinks that what I said is, you know, maybe mildly stupid, he says, Fugazi. Fugazi. That is Italian for fake or counterfeit. All right, John, here we go. Um, Laramie Tunsil is the Houston Texan that this team can least afford to lose. For real or Fugazi? I think that's for real because you can get running backs if they lost Damian Pierce, which they did last year. But they did today, by the way. Damian, we should mention, he didn't practice today. He tweaked himself in in warm-ups at practice and didn't practice today. The uh, Laramie Tunsil is their best player, and uh, you got to have that guy. He couldn't afford to lose two tackles, plus C.J. Stroud's blind side. So, yes, I think Laramie is the guy they could least afford to lose. And I think Will Anderson Jr. would be number two. So do Anderson would be the guy on the defensive side. Yeah, I, John, I think that's a for real statement. Even if Titus Howard is fully healthy, you can't afford to lose Laramie Tunsil. But now, yeah, if Titus is out for any period of time, operating with what I've seen at the backup tackle spots in this camp, yikes, that would be rough. Uh, John, next one up. Bill O'Brien got an ovation at Patriots practice reportedly this week from the crowd that was in attendance. Of course, Bill O'Brien, the new offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. For real or for Gazy, Bill O'Brien will be getting booed by week eight by those very same chows. <laughs> I believe he will because I don't know if their offense is very good. I think that's for real. And uh, I, I, I tweeted, I took part of Mike Reese, who does a great job of covering them for ESPN, and I put what he said. I didn't run Bill's quote because I didn't want to do a second one, but he said, well, Brian said great things about him. You know, these are my people. I'm from up here. I don't think anything Bill could do here 
that would help him get a, a rousing ovation that my grace reported. But so you you but you think they're going to be booing him by week eight? You think the Patriots are still going to be that poor offensively? I think in that division, yeah. When you're playing with three teams that are capable of winning, yeah. and if Tua Tagovailoa stays healthy, which is a big if because he's been hurt every year, he's been in football. I think Miami's a legitimate Super Bowl team, just like the Jets and the Bills. And I think the Patriots are destined for last place. And if Mac Jones doesn't play the way he's supposed to, I think they'll be booing him. Yeah. All right, next one, for real or Fugazi. C.J. Stroud will be the second-best starting quarterback in the AFC South this season. Ooh, well, let's see. Trevor Lawrence, Ryan Tannehill, and, and – no, Fugazi, because Tannehill has got a 104 career rating, and he was 6-6 six and six as a starter last year. So I don't think Stroud's going to be better than him. Yeah. And yet I still don't think Ryan Tannehill by the end of the year is going to be the starting quarterback for the Titans. He might not be. I just don't think the might Titans be Will are Levis. Good. Yeah. I, just I think the Titans are not very good, but I think they're good enough because they have great coaching yeah. and they got a really good defense threatening the Jaguars. You think Vrabel's a great coach, huh? I do. Okay. Um, for real or Fugazi, John, here we go. Uh, Albert Hainsworth is right. His teammates in Washington were all trash. Did you did you hear that audio of Albert Hainsworth? Yeah, Fugazi. <laughs> Albert's talking about how great Dan Snyder is. It's like <laughs> Snyder just gave him a million dollars to go public. And uh, no, I didn't buy any of that stuff. So wait, hold up. So you think Daniel Snyder paid Albert Hainsworth to say all the things he said on OutKick this week? Is that what no, you're that's saying? that's a joke. I'm joking. He probably paid him a million bucks. <laughs> I, John, I wouldn't put it past Daniel Snyder to shell out a million bucks to get some good he PR. He paid a lot of money for Albert Ainsworth, that's he, for sure. What's $101 million instead of just $100 million, you know? But I've never heard one other player say that during Dan Snyder's whole regime as owner. Well, and, and then – I mean, the part that I'm referring to in this, yeah, you're talking about the part where he, Albert Hainsworth, in this interview on Outkick Kick over the weekend, gave Daniel Snyder his flowers for being such a good guy. And he was just a guy who didn't really know football all that well. Yeah, no bleep. Um, but him going in on his former teammates was hilarious, saying that, you know, they'd be in the runway to go onto the field and they'd be talking about his teammates would be talking about what club they're going to that night or whatever. And I went back and I, I read Albert Hainsworth's Wikipedia page and like he was getting benched and suspended and kicked out of practice and all this other stuff. He's naming names in this interview. He said Clinton Portis, D'Angelo Hall, Chris Cooley. He named them all by name. Trash, he says. They were trash. Uh, some of their best players, too. Chris Cooley was a beloved tight end. Clinton Portis ran for a thousand yards. And who was the other one? Uh, D'Angelo Hall. And D'Angelo Hall was a starting corner and a really good player. So at least he went after the top guys. Yeah, that's right. Go big or go home, Hainsworth. Absolutely. All right, uh, John, next one. For real or Fugazi, if the Astros are in a wild card series, their starting rotation will go Verlander, Fromber, Javier. For real or Fugazi? Boy, that's a good question. I never would have thought of that. Fugazi, if they don't have J.P. France, in that third spot, it'll be preposterous because right now he's so much better than Christian Javier, who had whose ERA is like seven going back two months. Let Javier come back in the bullpen, do like France did on Sunday when he gave up one earned run on a terrible error by Jeremy Pena. France should be the third pitcher. 
Who, do you, who do you think Dusty would throw, Jonathan? Wild card? Javier. You think he would? You think he'd throw Javier over uh, over Urquidy or Hunter Brown in a third I game? I mean, for, for Amber and Verlander, the easy two to start the first two games in some order, whatever. Um, but you think you think he'd throw Javier right now, even as bad as Javier's been over the last month and a half? Dusty Baker sticks with players who are struggling. He likes veterans. Yeah. He likes people who've been through the wars with him. Yeah. And Javier was great last year, but he hasn't been this year. But uh, I don't know what he would do. I, I'm guessing he'd go with Javier. Uh, but I personally would stick with France because he's been their third best pitcher. Well, he's been their second best pitcher behind Fromber, and he hasn't struggled like Fromber did for a while. No. He came in and did uh, kind of steady things yesterday, too. I thought uh, the last game against the Yankees, I mean, he was – he was as trafficy as the other pitchers were. He's putting guys on base, but he was kind of pitching out of situations. And they brought him in. <laughs> Philip Maton, it may as well be Ooh. you or me at this point. Like Ooh. they bring in Maton to get out of a jam, and he's walking guys and hitting guys. And and so so France had to come in with a bunch of guys on base, which he's not used to doing at all. You know, he's used to starting, even when he's piggybacking, he's used to starting with clean innings when he's in the minor leagues. <clears throat> so I yeah, I'm with you. I give France a lot of credit, but I think Dusty would start Javier. Right, last one, John. For real or Fugazi, White House visits are overrated. Well, I think that's for real. Um, I, I, you know, it's a great photo op with the president, and I'm guessing it's great for the players. But, it's, you know, the Astros have been there now twice, and uh, I just – I never pay any attention to them at all after, after the – I did the Astros' first one because it was the first World Series, but now I'm just kind of – I watched it today. It was on the, it was only 15 minutes. It was on the white house YouTube channel. The Astros sent out a press release with the link in it to, if you wanted to watch, it was on it at noon today. So I watched it before the two of us started recording on here. And, um, it was, <laughs> Biden was struggling a little bit. I, I don't want to, like, as soon as you mentioned Biden struggling, like all of a sudden utopia is a political podcast. Cause we mentioned the president by name, but it was, uh, it, it was rough watching the uh, commander-in-chief navigate his way through the presentation today. Did the people, all the staffers, did they boo Altuve? They, no, they didn't. He didn't mention Altuve by name. It was uh, unlike Trump in 2017, Trump mentioned like seven guys by name. Now, clearly somebody had handed him a piece of paper with all the names because the pitchers he named were all of the ones that won the most games during the year. Um, plus Verlander, he named Verlander because he's buddies with Verlander. But I remember the pitchers they named were Dallas Keuchel. Brad Peacock was one of the pitchers because he won 13 games as like a middle reliever that year. Like they clearly just pulled out the pitching staff stats. I'm like, all right, these are the top four guys in wins. Just mention their names. And Altuve he mentioned because he was the MVP of the season that year. Um, and he was their best player. Uh, I, I love the fact that Altuve gets booed more than anybody when he gets hits. It's home runs. He just tore up the Yankees. You think great. those fans up there would say, you know what? Let's cheer him. Yeah. To try to throw him off his game. Yeah. Yeah. He he uses those boos as fuel. It's great. Um, all right, John, what do you got going on on sportsradio610.com? I'm doing a column on the Astros going to Baltimore while the uh, Red Hot Rangers go to uh, Oakland. And then I'll have one on Tuesday on Tank Dale. And by the way, you and I still have this appearance that we can't wait to get to on August 24th at the Houstonian. We have a few spots left. 
Go to Houstonian.com, look up events. Utopia Football Podcast goes on the road. We want to see you there. It's going to be a great night. A lot of great food, a lot of great wine. Can't wait. Yeah, we want to sell that out. We're getting closer and closer. You shared some of the numbers with me over the weekend. So there is still space available, a little bit of space, but still space available if you want to join us for an evening of awesome food, awesome wine, awesome football talk, great Houston sports talk, basically this podcast on the road, but with all of you interacting with us and hanging out for what should be a really, really fun Thursday evening at the Houstonian. As John mentioned, Houstonian.com and then click on events and it's right there along with a slew of other fun stuff they've got going on. Houstonian is a is a legendary Houston spot. So we hope that you're going to join us out there. Uh, it'll be three, no, two weeks, two weeks from this Thursday. Yeah, it's coming up, man. That's going to be fun. It's uh, going to be fun. Yep. And we've got the Texans this Thursday, John, with the first preseason game. So that should be fun uh, as well uh, on Sports Radio 610. Looking forward to that. Can't so. wait to see C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Yes. Watch them piece up the New England Patriots. That'll be good. John, I appreciate it. I enjoyed it, as always. Sean, thank you very much, as always. All right, good stuff. That's John McClain, the Hall of Famer. Uh, big thanks to our producer, James Jackson, for getting this podcast out to all of you in a timely fashion. We appreciate that. Uh, if you're watching this on uh, on YouTube or you're watching some of the videos on that we drop on social media, we always appreciate you. Uh, getting a chance to view us doing the podcast. But if you're getting this, just listening to the audio version on your phone, your iPad, your computer, wherever it is you get it, be sure to click the subscribe button so that you get it automatically sent to you. That's going to make things super easy during the football season. Make this your go-to uh, for um, for uh, Houston sports, Houston Texans football, particularly as the preseason gets started this Thursday. We've got one more episode to go this week. It'll be a mailbag later this week as we head into the first preseason game. H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. That's H-O-U-Mailbag at gmail.com. Be sure to send your questions to anything you want to know out of train camp. If you're not one of the lucky ones who's been out there to see it, uh, we've been out there to see every single snap of it. So we're happy to answer any questions that you have about Texas training camp. For John McClain and James Jackson, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. We will see all of you later this week for the next episode of the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>